Hi everyone, Paul Santilli here. I head up the SCIP organization, SCIP, Strategic Consortium of Intelligence Professionals, and I'm very pleased to have Lynn Neese. He's from Hewlett Packard Enterprise. He's the Chief Technology Officer, as well as an HPE Fellow for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Joining us on our iStream podcast series. We're doing it live here at the Intellicon event in Prague. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, thank you, Paul. So, what does the Chief Technology Officer uh, for sustainability do at HPE? So I'm part of the services business in HPE. So we're uh, uh, basically the consulting arm of mm -hmm. the company. And typically we get involved in a lot of the projects where our customers are doing large infrastructure roles in, in IT, right? And, uh, and for me, what I'm doing is, is, is helping customers understand the sustainability implications right. of their IT operations, mm -hmm. right? Everything from how do they do procurement to energy and emissions, which is a, a big deal for us, right? Yeah. It's a big part of our carbon footprint is they're using our products in electric grids that have emissions. And so I spend a lot of time uh, helping understand how modernization projects can dramatically reduce energy and emissions. So it's really the transition from their legacy systems, the infrastructure they have from a legacy IT standpoint, and how the modernization of those of yep. that infrastructure, not only improving from a production, from a, a performance mm -hmm. and cost standpoint, but from a sustainability and circular economy standpoint. And what a lot of people had no idea was a typical modernization project is going to reduce energy and emissions by 50% or more. Oh my gosh. That's very common. That's tremendous. And exactly. And so these projects have typically been justified based on OPEX for IT. Yeah, right. And uh, people had no idea the energy. A new server, a brand new, you know, Gen 11 server mm -hmm. can host twice as many, three times as many virtual machines as a four-year-old server yeah, can. Yeah. So you could see how you can dramatically cut the energy and emissions. And if you rethink how your applications are architected, right, you can get dramatic improvements in energy. Wow, so the end of life on these systems are only a few years now. Unfortunately, the, the life yeah, cycle is yeah. much shorter. Uh, and this is not a well-known fact. For a laptop or a printer, the production and the end of life are the big part of their carbon footprint. Yep, For yep. a server and a data center, it's not the case. It's the energy consumption. Yeah, the energy consumption. So as you say, as technology gets better, chips get smaller, more, more um, energy efficient. Mm -hmm. You magnify that by the number of chips in the system, et cetera, et cetera. You get tremendous savings like that. Yeah. So, um, super interesting stuff, especially with a lot of the new legislation in the U.S., for example, around um, energy consumption and reduction of, of CO2, and as well as the new AI even uh, legislation that's been recently signed. If we take all of this as a as a composite. And look at it from, as we always say in the SCIP environment, this intelligence ecosystem standpoint. How does this play a part within this ecosystem from an intelligence standpoint? By which, you know, how do we utilize intelligence to really drive and help our help your customers well, yeah. do the, the this modernization and this energy reduction aspect? Well, and I think even in general, how to address the whole carbon footprinting problem. Right? Yeah. Um, many companies, most Fortune 500 companies have some sort of target today. Uh -huh. And uh, about 35 to 40% of, of all Fortune 500 companies have a science-based target. At some point in the very near future, every everybody who supplies them will have to have a target or they won't be a supplier to those yeah, companies. So yeah. 
So bottom line is everybody's going to have targets and the data is still very sketchy. There's a lot of reverse engineering that goes on. There's something called life cycle assessment where you try to reverse engineer how something was created. Like if I want to give you the carbon footprint for this bottle, let's yeah. say my company bought these by the thousands. Yeah. How, how to fit, if the supplier doesn't know their own carbon footprint, which today very few do, of course, yeah. I've got to turn around and say, okay, do I look at, how do I look at this problem? <laughs> and I can look at the supplier and say, you know, they, they take all their production, they give me a carbon footprint report for the whole company. How, what percentage of their volume of bottles did I buy? Yeah, do sure. I just take that as a number or do I try to reverse engineer how glass bottles are <laughs> produced, right? It's, this is an incredible challenge facing modern society as we try to do carbon accounting. It's much more complex than even accounting. Accounting, at least you have a price that hides everything that happened before you bought that. Yeah. Well, moreover, I think in accounting you have standards and, and, yes. and you know foundational templates, if just for lack of a better term. Yep. This is all brand new. So how do you how do you rectify the differences in the products between your suppliers who may be calculating their carbon footprint differently? Well, and in fact, to to date, right, most most of the vendors in in these various ecosystems have come to realize that the data is not good enough to compare products. Yeah. Like yeah. if I have two suppliers of these bottles, right, I would need a lot of data to tell you one's better than of the course. other in a reliable way. Uh -huh. That, But this is where the intelligence community comes in. How do we create data standards, data exchanges yeah. that force, you know, as, as more and more suppliers and more and more procurement people want to make use of this data and basically incorporate it into their own operational footprint, right? right these standards will become critical. The consistency factor is it's absolutely huge. critical because without yeah. it, then one part of your supply chain that's not in sync, it blows the entire equation out exactly. of the water. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the data exchanges, I think, are going to become, what will happen is, is you know, let's say that I, 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 there's a part of my supply chain I know very well, there's a part I don't know very well, but I need to account for all of it sure. when I make estimates. As time goes on, those things that are not accounted for, as they become accounted for, I need systems that allow me to insert better and better numbers into the models yeah, yeah. as I go. It needs to be able uh, to, you need to be able to operate on the plane in flight. Yeah, exactly. And so I think this is a major challenge for the intelligence community. So when you have this many suppliers with unknown variables in the supply chain from a carbon standpoint, and you're trying to uh, make an aggregate of this to determine your footprint as a, as a and, and exactly. producer of a, of, a, of a computer, for example, um, certainly the challenge is now magnify that by the thousands of companies, uh, millions of companies, mm -hmm. to try to get an overall footprint. And then you have the challenges, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming this is the case, the challenges from what the U.S. is doing versus other countries around the world, because they're going to be looking at things, is there is there a standardization footprint that's being established, just like in the Wi-Fi community or, or certain formats, you know, that are standardized? Yeah. What what we find is so so HP Enterprise deals a lot with global companies. Yeah, so, of course. So uh, the only thing regions mean to our customers is simply how they report the stuff they do as a core. Yeah. So if you're like a global company, say a consumer packaged goods company, and you've got factories and data centers and stuff in all, all parts of the world, yeah. 
you're going to have your own standards. Yeah. And then what you're trying to figure out is the difference between what the EU requires you to report yeah, versus exactly. what the U.S. or Canada. Yeah. It just affects how you how you produce your output. Yeah. But in the end, they have their own core internal standards. And I think what's been missing in the carbon world is this generally accepted accounting principle type equivalent yeah. at the level of specificity so that everybody does it the same. Right, right. Greenhouse Otherwise, gas protocols exist. Yeah, what's the difference still? They're, they're a little vague, exactly. So, so okay, major challenges, obviously. Yeah. But at the, the, the end net result can be highly rewarding across the board, of course. Very right? much so. Especially when you attach, like you had, had shown before um, in a pre previous conversation, when you attach the revenue component that you're looking at from this sort of standardization in the carbon footprint aspect, it's in the trillions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. The the companies who have who have these made commitments, my company's made a commitment, many large corporations have made most have made commitments. Only within the next year or two they will force all their suppliers to have a commitment. Yeah. At some point you won't do business if you don't have a commitment. So regardless, what's the good news here, I guess good news if you're <laughs> if you're into reducing carbon emissions yeah. Is that there's a carbon tax, yeah. and the carbon tax results from everybody's got to have a commitment to do business. It's not legislated. What's legislated is how you're allowed to meet uh, your see. commitment. How can you apply it too? Yeah, you know, you don't have to have a commitment. Of course, good luck to a business without yeah, one right. in the near future. But you are regulated on how you can report the your results. So. There's, there's two advantages. There's the financial advantage of doing this as well as the fact that you're doing something good for the planet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's where, that's the bottom line. I mean, that's where people are, companies are really going to look at and say, you know, why are you not helping out in that context? Right? That, and that is the innovation. Yeah. I think that's the part. So the intelligence community has a major challenge in getting the data system set up to make this work. Yeah. And then the business community has a major challenge. We're, we're focusing on this uh, in terms of how we deal with our IT customers. How do I make it so that I am helping them with an OPEX problem the same time I'm helping them with this carbon emissions yeah, problem? Yeah. And honestly, they go hand in hand. And as time goes on, and some of the technologies that are low carbon mature, it becomes easier for everybody to yeah. do that. But the innovation for us is don't just solve the carbon emissions problem, make their business better. Yes, exactly right. That's the end, end result as it is. So from an intelligence standpoint, you know, that you mentioned about the, the necessary application of intelligence around the data collection and the standardization. What about the, the role of AI? Could AI speed this process up at all? Can AI be a, it's a great question. a component I mean, here? I think looking for patterns. Yes, that's um, what I'm thinking. The, exactly. big, the big problem is, is uh, you know, I get caught up a lot in, in um, We'll call them sustainability discussions, <laughs> and and most of these discussions, and especially when you're talking about you know public marketing type things, it's yeah. all about acts, random acts of goodness. I'll call it, mm -hmm. and uh, random acts of goodness are great, but we all know you know it's what you do every day that's going to have an impact on yeah, the planet. Consistency, exactly. Yeah. It's not this example of something cool or that example. It's scale. And where AI can help us, I believe, is understanding patterns at scale. Yeah. What are things that, um, especially when it comes time to, to, uh, to looking for relationships mm -hmm. that are not obvious. Like if I, if I have an outcome oh, that's yeah. related to emissions or related to, to energy consumption, mm -hmm. and then I've got a lot of data about what affects that outcome, 
I can use statistics, machine learning, AI mm-hmm. to uncover the patterns that most closely explain that outcome. Right. That would go bypassed if you were looking at it in traditional means. Exactly. Yeah. So that signal detection, I think, is one of the areas where at scale, kind of trying to drive improvements to how we operate as a world mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> at scale, yeah. looking for patterns. Very interesting. So um, within a skip environment, um, with the intelligence ecosystem, as we always talk about, um, there's a lot of connection points. I mean, there's a lot of folks in here talking about AI and the futures intelligence and applications areas in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some. There's great folks that are talking about the recycling elements around um, intelligence, mm-hmm. um, the circular economy, mm-hmm. the renewables side of the business. This all plays a part within this whole carbon footprint aspect to totally. to uh, to you know obviously improve the situation as well as to make make, make the place a you know the betterment of people and planet as we say in the skip world, right? Yes. Um, going forward, what's the what's the you know if you had some advice for the viewers here, um, how would you look at this from a next steps perspective? What can the folks who are looking at this conversation here think about? Well, you know what, what can I do to get involved? How can I get get to make a difference in that respect? Wow, you know, so there, so I would look into this area called life cycle assessment, life uh-huh. cycle analysis, LCA, it's called. Yeah. Um, whether you want to be a layperson who just has a has familiarity with it, the intelligence contribution to what we call carbon footprint in the life cycle assessment mm-hmm. is, is going to be incredibly high scale. Um, this is the challenge of a lifetime, in my opinion, for intelligence community. Because when people do things that might improve energy and emissions mm-hmm. in their processes, they frequently don't want their customers to know exactly what they were. Yeah. They, they regard them as intellectual properties. Yes, yes. Very, very similar to the the nonlinear challenges of competitive intelligence. Yeah. What do, how do I peek around the edges yeah. at this elephant and figure that. out what yeah. it's shaped Especially like? Especially if it's a, it's a yeah. cost reducer or you know, something like that. You don't want to reveal that to, to everybody. Because, exactly. Yeah, it's part of the, the crown jewels, so to speak. But I think what makes this more of a challenge now is, yes, I can, I can you know, I, I don't have eyes. Yeah. I can find out, okay, this must be an elephant, right? Yeah. But uh, now, with the carbon footprinting side of things, I need to not just know it was an elephant, but I need to try and infer you know how many how many gallons of blood are yeah. flowing from its heart and yeah. I need to know what's inside it and yeah. how it works too and I need to infer that from the outside looking in yeah. and then I need a way to capture and model the in essence the explanation yeah. for that system yeah. and that's that goes way beyond I think a lot of what we've tried to do with information systems today mm-hmm. so it's the sharing of some of this, what we traditionally call, I'm putting in quotes here, the proprietary information, so to speak, from these individuals. The sharing of that would benefit the overall community because yes. not only is established standardization, but it's best practices, use cases, yes. and all that kind of stuff, right? Sort of like what Skip tries to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so we can actually, you know, in all honesty, bring some of that, that content more into the Skip community as we do more and more of these, yes. these events. Um, there could be, you know, a, a directional improvement from that standpoint. It's not going to obviously boil the ocean, but it's at least a, a step in the right well, direction. Well, it's kind of strange you say that because I was thinking to myself, you know, there aren't many examples. The, the way Agile works in the world uh-huh. is I don't, I don't take hardest job first. And, and to be honest with you, I'll give you an example of someone who took hardest job first. That mm-hmm. was Google. Right, Google said, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm just, I'm reading from the lore of the book that was written, okay. right, about how the company was started. But, but uh, I don't want to just start 
by solving a partial. I don't want just want a minimum viable product. Yeah. There's a value proposition I'm trying to capture, and I want to make sure I can get that whole, I can digest that whole problem at once. Yeah. And I honestly think that some problems call out for that, not shortest job first, really? not MVP. Very big transformational yes. shift, pendulum swing exactly. all the way to the other side. A right? broad enabler at yeah. scale. Wow. And I think that's the, that's the call out here is, how do I create a modeling mindset and methodology for partial data, for reverse engineered data, yeah for data that I might have to infer from, from multiple sources, yeah. but to bring it together so that it can take on meaning as a, as a unit. At scale, like you're saying. Right, with, from diverse paths to get there. Do you think that's, um, I mean, just inherently listen to that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I mean, you know, as, yeah. as a, a supplier in the business, I'd be scared to put all of my chips in that one basket, so to speak, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, how do you overcome that, though? I mean, you have to stress the rewards out of it, obviously, We right? do. Well, yeah. so one attempt that, uh, like, say, uh, IT and mm -hmm. communications vendors put into um, solving the problem. They came, they, they, they've come across the fact that every one of our procurement customers has asked us for like carbon footprint data. Yeah, for, yeah. And, and then we know and our competitors know that comparing products like this based on such you know partial data is, is, is not good. It's fraught yeah. with, with problems. So we created like the, the product attribute impact assessment methodology. Yep. It says, if I don't know much about a laptop, you know, for example, my company has 50,000 laptops, I can tell you how many are 17-inch screens, how yeah. many are 50, there's, there's only a few attributes yeah, I know. criteria that's established, right? So, yeah. Exactly. So, it, if those attributes have some cause and effect that I can tie back to estimating their carbon footprint, yeah. that's, a, that's something the there's industry There's some standardization there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, we got together and we said, let's come up with a common methodology for some of these processes, just so that we don't leave it to chance. Yeah, that yeah. people do something really dumb. And you're, you're proactive in that case, because now Very that you proactive. have it, they can go on to somebody else who doesn't, and leave your, right. your, your sandbox alone, so to But speak. then imagine how many topics lend themselves to the need for such a standards oh, yeah. body. It's, it's, a, it's endless number. Of course, yeah, of course, challenges. Yeah. Wow, great conversation. Um, there's so much I think that, you know, uh, is, is dependent on this at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm in awe of the scope of what your challenges are on a global yes. basis for the for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Amazing. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate this conversation, and you've been an ad, advert, uh, huge supporter of Skip over the years. You're on our board of advisors, which I really appreciate that. You've been a, a great asset, and I want to thank you for that. And um, thank you very much for joining us on this iStream episode. Thank you so much, Paul. Skip is, I think, a major asset going forward in this problem space. Outstanding. Thank you for that. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.